I want to thank Reverend Dosey for allowing me the privilege to speak to you this morning. I count it as my honor. And before I start my message, I have asked my lovely bride if she would start my message by singing the Shema, which is taken out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and then also to speak it afterwards. Maggie, would you? Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Every Torah observant Jew speaks that Shema every morning underneath the tallit, and he reminds himself, because he says it in Hebrew, and in Hebrew, it actually names the name of God and reminds him who is God. And I was thinking on those words, and this, this will play into my message today, but perhaps we here in the United Kingdom and even the nations of the world need to start speaking the Shema. Hear, O United Kingdom. Hear, O United States. Hear, O Canada. Hear, O nations of the world. The Lord is God. The Lord is one. As we as a nations have been humbled through the pandemic in recent weeks and months and years, we're facing a traumatic time and we need to be reminded who is the answer to all these difficulties. Now one thing I want to say about the word here, because the Shema says here, O Israel, there's three Hebrew words for here. Now I... I'm not Hebrew, so these words I, I, I probably wouldn't do well to pronounce them too well, other than the Shema. But the first one, I'll do my best, is Lachi, which means to hear this. It's a general word. The second one is La Hashem, and the word has, has a purpose and a context of intimacy. And the third one, as we said this morning, as Maggie said, Shema. It goes further than the other words than the first two, and it demands a response. And the, the response that the Torah-observant Jew will get, will have, is that next verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is verse 5, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And uh, it's interesting because when I was looking at uh, Reverend Dosey's posting of his scripture this morning on, online, from, I think it's from Nana, but it, it actually spoke that, Deuteronomy 6, 5, but he actually quoted it from the New Testament where Yeshua spoke those words. So today, I'm going to read from you from Isaiah chapter 38, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order. Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. I want to preach to you a message I've, I've entitled today, Turning Our Faces to the Wall. In the days of King Hezekiah, he was found to be sick, sick unto death. 
And God sent the prophet Isaiah to him, telling him, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. This was interesting because Hezekiah was one of the few kings in Israel who was a good king. He was a king that was faithful to God in all that he did. In fact, in 2 Chronicles 29, it tells us, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He opened the doors of the temple of the Lord, had them repaired. He had the priests and the Levites to be consecrated unto the Lord and the temple to be consecrated to the Lord. He removed all defilement from the sanctuary. He made a covenant with the Lord God of Israel so that the Lord's fierce anger would turn away. In everything, according to 2 Chronicles 31, verse 21, that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and to the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly, and so he prospered. Isaiah chapter 38, verses 1 to 7. Let's go on. Verse 3. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sorely, or sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah again, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, which even as he was telling him that word, Assyria was now even laying siege to Israel. And I will defend this city, and this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. And he went on to tell him what that sign would be. In January 10th, 2021, I found myself in an ambulance with the lights flashing and blue lights and I was being taken to St. Mary's Hospital. I didn't understand what was going on. Later, I would find out from my wife that I had somewhat been in and out of consciousness at, at home here just a few blocks from this church. I found myself in the ICU and having a doctor standing over me and giving the words to me because I, I motion to him. I wanted to know what was going on. He says, you'll probably die and not live. We don't know how to fight this sickness. You have the worst case we've ever seen. The ones we've seen like you, they all die. I'm going to tell you folks, that wasn't a very good word. <laughs> and I started thinking of King Hezekiah and how he must have thought. For he served the Lord. He followed God. He was faithful to God. And he started to remind God of how faithful he had been. So I turned my face to the wall, remembering what King Hezekiah had done. I couldn't speak. I could hardly breathe. I just remember them slipping a hood over my head. And it 
it produced oxygen with high heat. And it was like I was in a sauna. I couldn't speak to anyone. I couldn't read. I couldn't watch the telly. I couldn't listen to a program. All I had was my mind and God. My mind turned back to 1990, many years prior to this event, when I had been injured in an accident and I had been left housebound. I would be housebound for two years and I would have a major surgery to my back, which left me in chronic pain and in much suffering. Through the 1990s, I would just live with tremendous, tremendous suffering and pain. Back then, I turned on the telly, because then I could watch telly, and I found a show on that telly in America, and it's, by the way, you can get it here in the UK too. Back then it was called Quick Study TV, Good Friends. And I listened to a pastor by the name of Ron Hemry. And Ron Hemry was a great Bible teacher and a great man of God who himself had suffered in life through many different things. But he taught the word, cover to cover, verse by verse at times. And he had each of us who followed the show to read through the Bible in a year. And from 1990 till today, that is what has become my practice. I've read through the scripture in a year. Even today, Ron Henry has long since died, but he taught me the value of scripture, how important it was to for it to be an anchor in our life, in the storms of life. He taught me how prayer also was to navigate us through the storms of life. He spoke about his father, who at the time was dying, but he was a covering over his ministry, a prayer covering, and a wise counselor. And he was asking the audience, please pray for my father. To lose him would be a great loss to the ministry. And I began to understand how important prayer and Bible study and Bible committing Bible passages to memory would become in my own life. The, the son of Ron Hemery now leads that ministry. And if you ever want to watch it, I'll give a little plug here. Bible Discovery TV. Please tune in. He's Canadian. They're Canadian. His family leads that ministry. And his son is just as much a good Bible teacher as his father was, Rod Hemry. And those girls in the office were instrumental in my recovery as they too covered us in prayer throughout my ordeal. Now while I was under the hood those first 24 hours, after thinking about that 1990 and reminding myself of how important Scripture and prayer was, all I had was my memories of Scripture and any prayers I could muster. But again, I couldn't speak. I could only pray in my mind. I began to pray Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But as I prayed it, I remember hearing something from those days when Ron Henry had taught me. He would say, make it personal. Add your name in there. And so I began to say, our Father, it's Lloyd. 
It's your adopted son. I'm calling out to you. I'm in need of you this morning. Actually, it was in the evening because I was taken there at 9 p.m. in the evening. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I began to understand and meditate that God had a will. And it would be played out in my life and in my situation. And it will be played out in your life and in your situation. God is sovereign over the affairs of man. It reigns on the just and the unjust. And there's times we don't understand why we're facing the things we're facing or our loved ones are facing. So I went on. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And I remember learning that giving us this day our daily bread is not just bread of provision. It is. But it's also bread for our minds, our wills, and our emotions. Our finances, yes. But it covers everything. And I needed it because my mind was under assault. Because I had been without oxygen. And when the body doesn't have oxygen, the organs of the body begin to shut down. My kidneys were already shutting down. And I needed a miracle. Desperately needed a miracle. And I went on praying. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I remember a song at that time when I was saying the, the prayer. I remember a song that, that had become well known of, of the Lord's Prayer. And the, the singer sang it, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he repeated, as we forgive our debtors. And I always thought that was interesting. That was the only line that was repeated twice. And I, at that moment, I, I knew why. Because it was time to do a checkup from the neck up, as one of my pastors had told me years earlier. It's time to check my thinking, whether it was stinking. <laughs> you needed to, I needed to look inside and see if there was unforgiveness. I needed to go through it and check my heart. I went on and prayed the prayer as he, as he forgave us. We forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, I began to realize we need to make that which is evil to God evil to us. And we tolerate too much sin, folks. And God is coming back for a pure and spotless church, the book of Ephesians says by the Apostle Paul. And we need to check our thinking. And start to pray, Lord, lead us not into the testing. God doesn't lead us into temptations. But He does lead us to be tested and to see what's in our hearts. It's not that God doesn't know, but He wants us to know what's really in our hearts. And King Hezekiah in our story today, in another passage that I read in Chronicles 29, it says the Lord left him to see what was in his heart. Folks, if the Lord put the, shined the spotlight on your life, what would He see? 
What would he see? And I began to feel very humbled because as I drew closer to the Lord, the light was very bright. And when that holy light of God shines down on you, you better know where you stand and what the realities of where you're at with God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But then my mind switched to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And I remember this scripture when I was a boy because it's the second scripture I ever memorized. The first one being John 3, 16, which I think most of us might have memorized as children. But Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 was the second scripture I ever memorized. And it said, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And I began to see the Father in that phrase. Trust in the God of Israel. Trust in my heavenly Father. Trust in the one who dwells in the high and holy place, but also with the broken and contrite of heart. Trust in the ancient of days. Trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Trust in Him, Lloyd, with all of your heart. Don't try to figure this out where you're at, but trust Him. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. I found the Son in that passage. Yeshua, Jesus. Acknowledging Jesus at that moment as I laid there under that hood. Acknowledging Him as, my, as Thomas did. My Lord and my God when he looked at his hands. When he was doubting. And Jesus said, Thomas, look at my hands and my feet. Put your hand into my side. And he said, my Lord and my God. Recognizing Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as not only a holy man and a great prophet, but recognize him, him as Emmanuel, God with us. God in the flesh, the second person of the Godhead. And I went on. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. I found the Holy Spirit in that, path, that portion. He shall direct your paths. Apostle Paul said our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I needed to yield to Him to direct me because I didn't know what was going on. I knew I had been given a death sentence and I knew my time was short unless God intervened. So I asked Holy Spirit, lead me in this. Let me finish my course well. Show me how I could bring you glory. I yielded to Him. And I abided in Yeshua, Jesus. And I dwelt in the secret place with the Father under the shadow of His wings and asking Him to cover me with His feathers. Even as Psalms chapter 91 speaks of. So as I used the Word as an anchor during those 11 days I was in ICU, 11 days of being in a hood, that hood was on me 22 to 23 hours a day. 
I didn't die in those first 48 hours, which what they pronounced over me would happen. But I saw God in my situation slowly bringing me through. Still on 100% oxygen. Still having difficulties. But God was with me. And I began to think of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. I know that's not up there. I'll get to Psalms 23 in a minute. But I began to pray the full armor of God over me. Because I began, I was under assault in my mind, not only physically from being without oxygen, but the devil kept saying, your time is up. You're a dead man. I needed a miracle. But I needed protection, so I prayed the full armor on. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shodding my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The shield of faith, the quench the fiery darts of the enemy. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit. I would pray those on and in detail each morning. And then there was Psalm 23. I needed the shepherd. I needed someone because I had gotten to the edge and I was falling off. And the shepherd has that hook on it. And he hooks those sheep when they got near the cliff. And they, they would pull those sheeps back. And I was near the cliff of death. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me by the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I was there. And let me tell you, there was fear. There was anxiety. But I would counteract the fear and anxiety with the Word. Because it was truth. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. And I began to imagine a big feast table. And I was eating. Because I should also tell you, I couldn't eat. I was wasting away. You wouldn't know it right now. <laughs> Maggie's a good cook. <laughs> but I had lost, well, we, we speak of weight in pounds, so I don't know if you'd understand this, but I lost nearly 37 pounds in my ordeal. And I was frail. I didn't see a reflection of myself till I got home. And when I looked in the mirror, I was looking at bones. I couldn't believe it. But I began to speak Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I saw Jesus on the other side of that table feasting with me and asking Him, will you really restore me? Will you really bring me back? And as you know, He did. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. I asked for the anointing because I knew from years of preaching in the States that it was the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when He shows up, bondages are broken. Bodies are healed. Chains are just shredded. And I needed that. I needed that. He anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Speaking of the blessings of God, 
that they are overflowing in our lives. There's a scripture in the New Testament that comes to my mind. I didn't write it down. I probably won't do it justice, but something to the effect that he does exceedingly above everything that we could ask or think. And he was doing that in my life. So finally, I realized I was getting through those initial period of 11 days. They transferred me to a cardiac unit. Still on 100% oxygen, but I was living. So they needed the bed in the ICU for the dying. And I might add here, the people I saw coming by me on slabs, dead. I saw at least four or five in the ICU. I would see three more in my room in the cardiac unit. People I spoke with and talked to would die right in front of me. It was traumatic. It produced a lot of what you would call post-traumatic stress disorder in me. I was overwhelmed. I felt I was in a military scene. It was something else. And I was waiting for something to happen. I needed God to break this. But it just wasn't happening. I had survived. But they were still telling me, Lloyd, we're only doing this for a moment, putting you in the cardiac. If you don't hold or if we don't see improvement, it's back to the ICU and we're going to incubate you. And by the way, the whole time I was in the ICU, they wanted to incubate me from the moment I got in there. It was only my lovely bride and her intercession with them and our trust in God that told them. We're trusting God. We're trusting God. Well, we'll put the hood on them then. And that's when I had my ordeal of 22 to 23 hours a day under that, that, that hot, hot hood. It was almost overwhelming. But while I was waiting, I began to think of the Psalms. And I remembered, I'll just turn to it for a moment if you don't mind. I remembered Psalms chapter 62. Psalm 62, where David spoke of waiting. In verse 1 he says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From Him cometh my salvation. And verse 5, my soul, wait thou only upon God. He's speaking to his soul. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. I was in a period of waiting. And I was expecting God to move. But I saw no evidence of it other than I had survived. So it was a difficult, difficult time for me. Finally, through my lovely bride, Maggie Atkinson, a praying woman, and I've witnessed through the years of my marriage her praying and interceding in prayer for me, her children, her loved ones. She began to pray and seek God for an answer for me because even though I was claiming all these words, I really couldn't hear God. I was too overwhelmed. I just was believing by faith and trusting Him in that difficult time. 
But she had a breakthrough. She pressed into God and God spoke to her and said, he will not die, but he will live. She heard it in the courses of her spirit. And I want to tell you this morning, folks, if you don't believe God still speaks, you're wrong. The God of Israel is a living God. And he still speaks to his people. Now, primarily he speaks through his word, but he also speaks in the stillness of our heart as we get quiet, as we wait upon the Lord. He will speak to us. Sometimes he speaks in the messages at church. Sometimes in the worship. When the song leader is worshiping the Lord and the, the anointing comes, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we might get a prophetic word, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Some say these have stopped. They're wrong. The gifts of the Spirit are still in operation today. Certainly we need to test everything in light of Scripture. But they do operate today. And this word she got, she shared with me, because by then she was at, they, they have that little TV in your room, although I didn't use it for... Most of my ordeal, she hooked it up where she got phone calls to me through that because she couldn't call my cell. I had a cell, but it didn't work in the, in that unit, in the unit where I was. It only allowed me to receive texts. So she had to call me on that phone that was hooked up to the TV there at St. Mary's. And I, she would begin to call me. And I was well enough when I, they took the hood off. I only have a brief moment. I could listen to Maggie on the phone. I could speak a little bit, but as Maggie, you remember, she would start to talk to me and I would just uncontrollably cough. And it was just almost impossible to carry on the conversation. But she would share with me what the Lord showed her. And it gave me hope. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I had hope that God was not only from His Word, but from a, a now Word present word and it gave me hope I was still on 100% oxygen and I was struggling to breathe she gave me a song from Michael W. Smith that said you are the air I breathe an old song but it meant a lot to me because I couldn't breathe your very presence living in me I'm desperate for you, God. I'm desperate. And I was desperate. And I would just, she would sing the song over the phone. And I would also read that text because she wrote it in the text as well. And again, my hope. Hope is futuristic, isn't it? But faith is now. I needed faith to believe I was going to recover, but I was only in the hope realm. And I couldn't see beyond that. But the seeds were planted by her sharing that song. And then she did something interesting. In the midst of my PTSD, I was having so much uh, anxiety and fear. And seeing the lady across from me, the 66-year-old woman, frail little woman who died right in front of me the same thing I had and the man right across from me who cried all night in pain and somehow I couldn't breathe remember folks couldn't speak I began to sing in the spirit 
as he was screaming and everyone in the room, they, we couldn't sleep. It was no, no use. We weren't going to get any sleep that night because he was screaming so loud because he was suffering. He was passing on. And as I sang in the Spirit, for some reason the Holy Spirit just took over and began to sing and his screams went to a hush as I believed God was ministering to him because I couldn't speak to him. It was all I could do was allow Holy Spirit to move and do what I couldn't do. Like I said, I needed a breakthrough. My oxygen rate was low. It was in the 80s. As you know, in the 80s is not a healthy oxygen rate. A healthy oxygen rate is 95 or above. I was consistently... Without the mask, the hood on, I was consistently at 80, 82, and even dropped into the 70s. And sometimes when I first came in in the 70s and 60s, it was a difficult, difficult time. But fear and anxiety needed to be broken. And one day, again, giving credence to my lovely bride, she shared with me Philippians chapter 4. Because I was battling fear, I needed to get off the hood and transition to lower oxygen in order to move on to the next place of healing. So she gave me Philippians chapter 4, verses 6, 8, and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And whatsoever things are true and honest and just, whatsoever things are pure and lovely and of a good report, if there be any virtue or anything praiseworthy, think on these things. So I try, they tried to give me a smaller dose of oxygen and put a smaller mask on me, and I failed. I couldn't do it. I began to, the, the claustrophobicness of this new mask, because it covered my nose, it, it was, it was overwhelming to me. And I failed, and they, they were talking about me going back to the ICU again, and I said, Maggie, pray for me. And that's when she began to seek out prayers. She sought out, of course, Reverend Dosey was already calling her and encouraging her, and I want to say thank you publicly. Because she was carrying the weight of it. She was struggling with it. Her husband was dying. So he would minister to her and pray with her. But I also want to thank Andrew for he corporately called out my name on Sunday morning and don't miss the importance of corporate prayer. Because the book of Revelations constantly is saying, hear what the Spirit of the Lord speaketh unto the churches or unto the congregations. He speaks to us individually, but he speaks corporately in the church as well, I believe. And when he would pray for me and all of you, I want to thank. Because many of you were calling out my name. And I want to thank you for praying for me. It was a dark time. But anyway, God broke through those scriptures. And I told him, put, it, put that mask on me again. I want to do it again. And I felt the fear leave me as we bound that spirit of fear. And let me tell you, fear sometimes can be a spirit. And the enemy could be attacking us. So I took captive that fear in the mighty name of Yeshua and in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. I took it captive. 
And I was able to overcome it. And I made it through. And God, after 30 days, I finally got the word. You're going home. I couldn't walk. Barely. I mean, barely. (laughs) When I say I couldn't walk, first night in my home in the chair, to walk from the chair to the bathroom was monumental. I I mean, it it was a big task. And I could barely do it. Maggie almost was assisting me. It was a hard time. But I made it. So now, without, I know time's getting away, so I, I won't go into all, all the details, but let me get back to King Hezekiah for a minute. Because unfortunately, folks, even though he had a miracle, he was dramatically healed. And I mean, it was dramatic how God turned around the prophet, sent him back and said, you're going to be healed. And I'm going to give you 15 more years. And the word 15 had significance. Because in the Hebrew language, the numbers are letters. So when you see 15th, the letter 10 is the first letter of the name of God. Yod, Yod. Remember in, in Hebrew, it's yod Hey Vahe is the name of the Father. Or we pronounce it in English, Jehovah. Some would say it's Yahweh or Yahweh. We're not really sure. But the first letter, the, the ten represented Yod, the first name of God's name. And the last letter, I mean the last five, so it's ten and five make fifteen. Five is hey. So it, it's pronounced Yah, which is the name of God. So God was telling Hezekiah, I'm going to heal you and I'm going to deliver you, but you're going to live your last fifteen years for me. I've got something for you to do. And folks, he's got something for us to do too. But unfortunately, I'd like to tell you that he he finished well. But in the next chapter, in chapter 39, you know, and I won't go into detail, but I'll just share this much. It says in the very first verse, at that time, and at that time in the Hebrew is saying, right after what just happened with the sickness, what right after he gets visited by high-ranking adversaries of, of the king of Babylon. And they brought a present to Hezekiah. And they heard he was sick. And they heard he had been miraculously healed. And then they heard that this mighty powerhouse, Assyria, had been defeated. And no one had defeated Assyria. But the God of Israel defeated them. He sent his angel and defeated him real quickly in one day. We serve an awesome God, folks. A mighty God, awesome in power. And indeed. And yet Hezekiah, instead of it telling him, he had an opportunity to tell him about the God who heals. He mentions nothing in chapter 39 of the God who heals me. He, re- he mentions nothing about the delivering God who sent his angel and destroyed the forces of Assyria, who were at that time were undefeated and unmatched. He tells them nothing. Instead, he mentions about his treasuries and all his wealth. But in verse 5 of chapter 39, we hear a second word from God to Hezekiah. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, 
hear the word of the Lord of hosts. That word here, there is Shema, the word that Maggie said at the beginning. Remember I told you it demands a response? So here comes Isaiah to King Hezekiah, and he's saying, hear the word of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Remember the first time he came to him, he says unto him, thus saith the Lord. It wasn't a condemnation. Hezekiah wasn't being chastised. The Lord was saying, Hezekiah, your time's up. You need to put your house in order. It wasn't anything evil against him. Sometimes we want to think that it's always evil when we're told something about having to die. But sometimes God's just telling you, I'm taking you home. And it's appointing unto to, to man to die, wants to die, and then the judgment, the scripture says. So he, this term, and I know I'm, I'm running late here, it says, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. This was a word of judgment. God was saying, Hezekiah, you know what? You're a man, you're, you have pride in your heart. You're talking about your wealth, your person. And that passage we'll talk about, I won't go into it, but it talks about his personal wealth and the wealth of his kingdom. And a lot of that wealth he didn't even get. Previous kings before him had gotten. But he was saying, look at all my wealth. Look at it. And Isaiah asked him, what did they see? What did you show this man? He said, I showed him everything. And the Lord sent this sobering word back to him that not only would his sons and his grandsons go into captivity and probably be idol worshipers from Babylon. And they will never see the kingdom of God. And Hezekiah says in verse 8, oh, that's a good word because it won't be in my day. He's literally saying my kids and my grandkids, they're going to be in captivity, in bondage, and that's a good word? I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a father. I want my kids to have it better than I did, don't you? You want them to be blessed. And I'm here to tell you in the United Kingdom and in the, the nations of the world, it's not going to be better for our kids the way we're headed. These nations are abandoning God and God wants to get our attention. So I want to close today. I, sh I brought this book up with me. When I got home, Maggie gave this book to me. She'd ordered it off Amazon. I would encourage you to consider or ordering it for yourself. It's a book called Reignite, a fresh focus on enduring faith by Dr. Jack Graham, the pastor of Preston Wood Baptist Church in the great state of Texas. I'm American, so I'm going to give a little plug there. I would encourage you. He, he pastors a church of 47,000 people. That's pretty amazing. I don't know how he does it, Reverend Dozy. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. But he went through a crisis. He had cancer of the prostate. He got healed through surgery and prayer. And the, but then found himself in a year of depression and it was overwhelming. And he wrote this book and it's an encouraging book. And I really pray that you will, you will get it. But I want to read something as I close this message. He shared something, how he met in a meeting of pastors in the States. And there was a friend of his, the late Adrian Rogers,
former pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. I remember Adrian Rogers. He's a great, great man of God, was a great man of God, and a great Bible teacher. But he shared something. He made, he, he had made an acrostic with the word paste, P-A-C-E. And he shared it with those pastors. And I just, it helped Dr. Graham in his stint of, of recovering from cancer and his year-long battle with fear, anxiety, and depression. And it helped me in my recovery. And this is what I want to pray to you. And I'm going to, I'm going to share with you. I'm going to do something unusual. Can I ask everyone to stand for a moment? Because it's a, it's a way of praising and praying to God. So, it says, and do what I'm doing, with hands lifted high, we praise God. We give Him praise in the good and the bads of life. With palms facing upwards to heaven, we accept, remember the second level of pace, first is P, is praise, A is accept, we accept the circumstances that He has allowed in our lives. And sometimes they're difficult, folks. We accept them with our palms lifted high. With our hands over our hearts, put your hand over your heart, we commit, the third letter is C, we commit to His wisdom and His ways. And to me, it was committing to being more faithful in my walk with God at church and tithes and offerings and in taking of communion. And being involved in people's lives. Commitment. We commit to His wisdom and His ways. And with arms outstretched, stretch your arms out before us. We expect, the last letter is E, we expect the power and strength that will come from God in our dark hour of having to turn our faces to the walls. So may the Lord strengthen you and bless you in your hour. Close your eyes as I... I say the ironic blessing for you. I'm going to actually sing it. It's going to, don't listen to my, I'm not a singer, but. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and he will give you his peace. Thank you very much.